Hello and welcome back to our fifth episode of the GHYC Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Alma. So today's episode will be about food poisoning. Very common myths and ways to ensure that we all consume and store food safely. Have you recently experienced food poisoning, Sarah? Um, fortunately, I have not experienced any food poisoning recently, but there are definitely times where, there, um, where I've questioned whether I should eat the food or chuck it out, but that's what we're here for today. Now, you may be wondering why this is important. Food poisoning is a significant concern in public health, affecting numerous individuals each year. Absolutely. So food poisoning outbreaks can have serious consequences for individuals and communities. It can occur due to various factors, including improper food handling, food handling, inadequate cooking and contamination. The consequences of food poisoning can range from mild discomfort to severe illnesses and even death. Um, that's particular among vulnerable populations, such as young children and those with a weakened immune system. Yeah, so our audience might have experienced food poisoning firsthand, and I'm sure many can agree that symptoms are normally self-limiting and often do not warrant a visit to the doctor nor are life-threatening. However, we Australians are fortunate in that our food is protected by regulation and litigation, and we have the proper infrastructure such as a proper sewage system to limit the spread. That's right. So individuals in developed countries like ours classified food poisoning as quite a low-level disease, so whereby the effects and the spread are not really that significant. However, in low- and middle-income countries, middle, uh, millions of cases are reported globally each year, with it being the major cause of illness and morbidity in children aged five years and below. Oh, okay. So now there are various pathogens that can cause foodborne illnesses, such as bacteria, viruses, and parasites. A common bacteria that you have probably heard of is Salmonella. This bacterium is often found in a raw or undercooked poultry, eggs, and unpasteurized milk. That's right. Um, I remember seeing on the news that there was an outbreak of Salmonella, I believe it was in prepackaged salad. Um, was contamination the root cause of this? Yes, as prepackaged salad will involve more processing steps, it increases the risk of cross contamination. It is essential for people to cook their food thoroughly and handle raw ingredients properly to prevent infection. But also, in addition, if possible, to buy whole unprocessed vegetables. And don't forget about E. coli too, so. Certainly. So a common misconception is that all E. coli causes illness. Contrary, E. coli is found in our digestive tract and is normally quite harmless. However, the few disease-causing E. coli strands really give E. coli the bad reputation that we commonly associate it with. Um, Elma, could you help explain what I mean by the different E. coli? Of course. So E. coli has many different strains whereby how they causes infection varies and subsequently their symptoms. However, we will be focusing only two strains today, the E. tech and the E. hec. E. tech also more commonly known 
as travelers diarrhea is associated with eating contaminated food and transmitted by fecal contamin contamination of water or ice. Now, symptoms relating to eating are often more mild with worried diarrhea and cramping and sometimes fever and vomiting. Um, so we would like to reinforce the importance of washing your hands after using the toilet and before you eat. Um, please also do your research before traveling to a country as tap water may not be safe to consume. Yep, exactly. Now, EHEC is more commonly found in developed countries and is transmitted from animals but mostly cattle to humans. This can be via eating raw or undercooked meat but also via petting zoos. So, please wash your hands after interacting with animals. The EHEC causes a wide range of symptoms from watery diarrhea to bloody diarrhea. Now, just a word of caution, anytime you see blood in your tool, it's a good idea to seek medical advice as it may require urgent care. Now, a common myth is that heating all your food will prevent food poisoning. While heating your food does kill the bacteria, um, some bacteria can produce spores and toxins that cannot be healed with heat alone. Um, these spores grow significantly if food is not properly refrigerated. That is right. Proper food handling is just as important. Now we're going to move into viruses, another organism that causes us stomach cleansing pain. We have the norovirus, which induces mild vomiting and diarrhea. The highly contagious nero allow it to be found in places where people have close contacts, such as nursing homes, crises and hospitals. This is also why these places have so many hand sanitization stations. Absolutely. So the rotavirus, which may sound familiar to some if you've checked up on your immunization records, often cause severe disease in children and is seasonal, um, predominating in winter. However, thanks to the rotavirus vaccine being introduced to the immunization program, um, cases have dramatically dropped. Yep, exactly. Immunization really are a lifesaver. It still amazes me to this day how far we have come with technology. Exactly. And the production of the COVID vaccine was really a feat in itself. Talking immunizations, um, just a reminder that all Australians are eligible for the free vaccine up until age 20. Um, so I've got a couple of friends who was only recently aware of this and their 20th birthday was approaching and they had to have all their catch-ups in a day. So if you missed a dose or two, just a reminder that you can pop into your local GP for a catch-up and if you leave enough time before you turn 20, um, they can space out your vaccines, unlike my poor friends. Okay. So now back to food poisoning. Another misconception I have heard quite a lot is that cutting off mold, the food becomes safe to eat. I myself was guilty of this as a child. So Sarah, can you explain why this is not true? Of course, so mold grows from spores, which we cannot see with our eyes. Um, when we physically see mold, though, there is already a high likelihood that the spores are already spread out in the food. So cutting what we see isn't enough. 
Likewise, if you see fruit that is prepackaged together, um, such as a punnet of strawberries, it's best to toss the whole pack away, even if only a few strawberries have mold, as spores are airborne, and that means the pack is most likely already contaminated. Oh, that's scary. And another kind of misconception that we see is that if it smells okay, then it's fine to eat. Um, yeah, so my, I myself certainly fell victim to this. Um, however, we now know that while some molds smell and help to tell a food has spoiled, many of these disease-causing bacteria often don't have a scent at all. Um, to put things into perspective, salmonella, which we all should know, doesn't have a scent. Yeah, you're right. It is crucial for individuals to be aware of the specific risks associated with different pathogens. It is also important to highlight cross-contamination as well. The cross-contamination, as you may remember from food tech, is very important. The use of separate cutting boards and utensils for raw meats and other foods can help to avoid spreading harmful bacteria. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, and let's not forget about proper food storage. So storing perishable foods at a correct temperature helps prevent the growth of bacteria and their spores. Um, so refrigerating perishable foods within two hours can dramatically um, slow down this growth. That's a good point. Uh, let's not forget about proper food storage. So storing perishable foods at a correct temperature helps prevent the growth of bacteria and their spores. Um, so refrigerating perishable foods within two hours can dramatically um, slow down this growth. That's absolutely right. Um, it's important to be cautious with raw and undercooked foods as well. So avoid consuming raw or undercooked eggs, meat, seafood, um, or unpasteurized dairy products, as they can be potential sources of contamination. Or just try to limit your intake if you can. Um, but can you try to explain how to treat food poisoning, Elma? Yeah, of course. So if you suspect you have food poisoning, the first step is to stay hydrated. Loss of fluids due to vomiting and diarrhea can quickly lead into dehydration, which can worsen your condition. Drink plenty of clear fluids like water or electrolyte drinks. They are essential to take small sips if you are vomiting frequently. And you need to avoid consuming solid foods until you start feeling better. Allow your body some time to recover and give it a chance to eliminate the harmful bacteria or pathogens that may be causing the food poisoning. Um, that's right. So another helpful tip is to eat light and bland foods um, once you feel ready to resume eating. Um, so you can stick to easy to digest foods. Um, this can be things like banana, rice, applesauce, toast, boiled potatoes, or plain crackers. Um, these foods won't really burden your digestive system and will help it ease back into your regular diet. Yep. So that wraps up our podcast for today. Hopefully you have learned a thing or two that can help you avoid food poisoning. Um, that's right. So another helpful tip is to eat light and bland foods um, once you feel ready to resume eating. 
Um, so you can stick to easy to digest foods. Um, this can be things like banana, rice, applesauce, toast, boiled potatoes, or plain crackers. Um, these foods won't really burden your digestive system and will help it ease back into your regular diet. Yeah, that's a that's a really helpful tips. Well, that wraps up our podcast for today. Hopefully you have learned a thing or two that can help you avoid food poisoning. Um, once again, thank you for listening and we'll see you in our next episode.